Inside the Post-Dispatch. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Beth. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to dig into today's uh, story and with today's guest. Yes, it's a quickly moving story. We are covering today the um, federal indictments against several politicians and political figures in St. Louis County and St. Louis City. And we're joined by Jacob Barker, who has been covering um, St. Louis uh, with the Post-Dispatch since 2014. He's covered since then a variety of beats. Um, he and his work, along with Jeremy Kohler's work, were cited in Steve Stanger's indictment in 2019, which today feels like old, old news. And yet somehow very relevant yet again. Extremely relevant yet yeah. again. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about the federal indictments against John Collins, Mohammed, and Jeffrey Boyd, both St. Louis aldermen, former aldermen, and the former St. Louis president of the Board of Aldermen, um, Louis Reed, who has also resigned. And just yesterday, Tuesday, another indictment was unsealed against Tony Weaver, a St. Louis County uh, employee who used to work with Rochelle Walton Gray and was appointed by Sam Page, the county executive, to a position in uh, kind of like the jail hierarchy. Um, but before we really dive into all of those indictments, Jacob, could you tell us a little bit more about your history at the Post-Dispatch and the different beats that you've covered? Yeah, thank, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I started here in 2014. I started out uh, on the business desk covering energy and environment, so a lot of uh, big, uh, all the big utilities and all that, and then I moved over to economic development, so tax incentives, tax abatements, which played a big role in the uh, indictments in the city unsealed uh, last week, last Thursday. And then for the last year or so, I've kind of been roving kind of general assignment, but I often, you know, kind of uh, lean heavily on my past experience covering the economic development agencies in the in the region. A lot of experience that seems to be, as you said, kind of the perfect background to cover these indictments. Can you explain a little bit more, at least about the indictment against the city politicians? Yeah, when the um, the indictments unsealed uh, last week, they, they relate to um, the the main issue is tax abatement. Um, it's It's been a big issue in the city for a while. Some people question whether the city gives out too much tax abatement. Politicians often debate it. Business people say they, you know, developers say, often say they, they need these tax abatements to make projects work. Um, so it's been a big political issue, and it, it kind of, um, you know, is right in the middle of, of uh, business and politics, kind of that intersection. Um, but the indictments last week basically accused these aldermen and the Board of Aldermen president of uh, accepting bribes, cash bribes, um, in exchange for using their position to move forward legislation needed for tax abatement for um, a couple of projects. It seems like one of those backroom deals that you would see on The Wire or another TV show. Steve Stanger's indictment back in 2019 did it include any allegations of actual cash bribes? Being- there, there was nothing in the indictment at the time of actual cash bribes. It was all campaign donations, which, okay. you know, the government kind of looks at pretty similarly mm-hmm. the same way, but it's not, you know, it, it wasn't uh, former county executive Stenger's own personal enrichment. It was, 
he was taking official action in exchange for campaign donations. And there were cash bribes in the indictment, alleged in the indictment, but also some cars being... Yeah, it, it sounds like uh, former alderman John Collins Muhammad, who, who represents a couple neighborhoods up on the north side between uh, O'Fallon Park and, and Fairground Park, um, he apparently got, uh, I think, a cell phone from this businessman, uh, a couple of cars, um, Alderman Jeffrey Boyd, uh, another Northside Alderman who represents kind of northwest part of the city, represented the northwest part of the city. Um, he apparently got free car repairs from this guy in addition to, you know, bribes of, uh, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there. And Beth, as you said, it does feel like a story ripped from the headlines, this kind of corruption in local politics uh, and kickbacks. And that kind of dovetails into talking a little bit about the news that broke yesterday about Tony Weaver in St. Louis County. So, Jacob, if you want to give us kind of a download of what happened and what news was released yesterday. Um, and so yesterday, it, in an uh, unrelated indictment, um, this uh, political figure, Tony Weaver, um, was indicted for working with a businessman in St. Louis County to uh, fraudulently apply for uh, grants under... A St. Louis County program set up with federal money that was passed, if you recall, right when COVID-19 hit, you know, all this federal money went out. Um, St. Louis County got a bunch of money and they set up a program to give like, I think it was $15,000 grants to businesses, which were closed because of stay-at-home orders and, and business closure orders as, as the pandemic hit. Apparently, Tony, uh, Tony Weaver is, is charged with working with this businessman to send in applications for several businesses this, this guy owned in St. Louis County. Under the program guidelines, you were really only supposed to apply for one grant. You couldn't apply you know, if you had common ownership for different businesses. Apparently, Tony Weaver, according to the indictment, was helping this guy apply and saying... You know, his boss, which until 2019, when he was appointed uh, to a, a county job, was for, was former county councilwoman Rochelle Walton Gray. Um, ultimately, none of these grants were ever approved, but, um, they're, you know, the indictment lays out a, you know, a, a scheme to apply for these grants fraudulently. And all of these men have been, have uh, had hearings before federal court and have all entered not guilty pleas. It's, it's very early in the process. I mean, and, yeah. you know, and I, I am no, no expert in uh, federal court procedure, but, you know, I have covered indictments in the past of, of politicians, and often they'll, they'll enter a not guilty plea as they uh, tend to work something out. So. And we should also say that Tony Weaver was fired uh, by the county, I believe, yesterday. That was he, he was fired uh, by St. Louis County Executive Sam Page immediately after the indictment was unsealed. Um, Page had appointed him to this position within the jail, within the St. Louis County Justice Center, I believe is the official name. Mm-hmm. In 2019, um Basically, he got a doubling of salary um, from when he worked for the county councilwoman. You know, he only made like 40 grand or something, and then basically his salary doubled and got this position at the jail. And the jail, you know, has been going through its own issues over the last mm-hmm. several years of several inmate deaths and, and investigations and audits. A recent um, so, higher-level uh, resignation there as well. Uh, from, from I think it was a member of the board, of the of the oversight board, who kind of resigned in, in frustration. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And there's this connective tissue between the two, allegedly not proven, uh, but we do address them in your most recent story that published yesterday about Tony Weaver, that there's a figure who could be related to both. I think this is where it, for me, gets stranger than fiction, or the reality is stranger than fiction. So in the in the city indictment, there is a, a businessman, a small businessman, who is, is woven throughout, basically ton of his conversations with uh, these aldermen and, and former President Reed were recorded. This businessman was the one offering them bribes, and they were taking it, uh, according to the indictment, often without hesitation. He's not named in the indictment. He's a, he's a John Doe. However, based on some of the legislation that was introduced and some of the, there was also a, a deal in the city indictment to buy some land from the city's land bank and Based on those property records, uh, it all goes back to, to one name, this this guy named Mohammed Al-Mutin, who was facing his own federal charges based on, from a 2017 charge of, of trafficking in illegal cigarettes, basically buying cheap cigarettes in Missouri and, and selling them in Chicago and I think New Jersey, and also selling um, uh, synthetic marijuana, basically, uh, you know, chemically made mm -hmm, uh, marijuana. Right. And so he, he was facing these charges along with several dozen, like 30 other co-conspirators from this 2017 sting. And in April, um, he pled guilty to one charge and the feds dismissed most of his other charges. Now, it's not confirmed he's John Doe, but um, a lot of the evidence points that to this guy who he co-owns a lot of uh, gas stations and convenience stores and other businesses on the north side of St. Louis. Uh, as well as North St. Louis County, and that's where the, the Tony Weaver indictment, it's a little more vague, um, who, there's another businessman who is also having his conversations recorded with Tony Weaver. There's a few details that, similarly, there's a, he mentions a, a business, um, I can't remember. The, I think the it was street. on Shepley. Shepley, yeah, that's it. Um, and if there's a business on Shepley uh, where the property is in Al Mooton's name as well, and mm -hmm. it's a it's a liquor and convenience store, and he he owns a laundromat as well, and and some of these these other businesses. You mentioned that the the indictments quote from recordings. What do we know about this investigation? Uh, what what we know is um, the the prosecutor, uh, assisted U.S. Attorney Hal Goldsmith. He handles public corruption investigations. He's the guy that that charged uh, Steve Stanger, and Stanger's former chief of staff and the economic development director of St. Louis County at the time, Sheila Sweeney. He leads a lot of these public corruption investigations. And, and what he said after um, the initial appearance last week was that this investigation had been going on for two and a half years with the FBI. Uh, he said, I think, hundreds of recordings, uh, text messages, emails, and, and traditional surveillance that, you know, you see in TV and movies of, you know, I assume feds in cars, yeah. you know, on dark streets watching people. One of the quotes that was in uh, Tony Weaver's indictment that really stood out to me is... I, I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically, Tony Weaver says to someone else, the businessman, I really hope that we're not bugged right now. That's how they caught Steve Stanger. Again, that's a paraphrase. But it's incredible to me that some of the quotes that were in both indictments. Yeah, yeah, that, that quote, if he was uh, going to argue that he didn't know what he was doing was wrong, <laughs> that quote makes that a little, a little difficult. So... 
Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have, and apparently that's only the tip of the iceberg of, of the recordings and evidence that the feds have. Uh, right. You know, in the initial court appearances, they say we're going to, you know, they got to give everything to the defense. And so apparently that all happened uh, Monday for the, the city defendants. Um, and um, I can't remember when Weaver's uh, counsel will get it, but, um, you know, apparently they've got a ton more than what we saw in the indictments. Yeah. Will those, because they're being handed over to the defense, will that eventually become public as part of the court record as well? Well, we, we don't know. I mean, if these ultimately go to trial, yeah, I assume there will be more evidence entered into it. Um, but a lot of times these uh, don't don't go to trial. I mean, in the in the Steve Stenger investigation, you know, none of it none of it went to trial because um, I mean, a lot of these are are based on wire fraud charges, um, and I guess Stenger was was honest services. But I mean, some of these federal charges, you go up against a jury, you're facing years and years in prison, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a wild card. Mm-hmm. And you know what we saw with the Stenger investigation was they made deals. You know, Stenger did. I think a year or two in prison and you know he's out he's apparently living in Clayton again so is there any indication I mean Steve Stenger's indictment was in April 2019 and then he was sentenced in August after entering a guilty plea that's just a couple of months is there any indication of how quickly these cases will move through the courts uh no no idea yet um you know the uh, apparently you know uh, some of these defendants found out very you know, about the same time that the public did, um, at least on Thursday, you know, uh, former President Lewis Reed said, look, we just got this indictment this morning, too. So, you know, their lawyers are sifting through it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we don't know how, how quickly it'll be. But, you know, ultimately, if there are guilty pleas, then then we might see some more detail in, in sentencing memorandums. And you, you said, you know, the recordings and the indictments that were quoted are just the tip of the iceberg. Is the same true for these basically four politicos who have been indicted are there hints that there may be more coming uh we we do not know that we we you know the the feds haven't given us any any hints um Mm -hmm. we we don't know if other people are are involved but um i mean apparently this this investigation went on for two years and who who knows how long this informant how many people this informant talked to um, and, you know, what else uh, the feds have and, and what else they, they might get from some of these uh, defendants. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you said that Reed's comment was, we just got this indictment, so we're going through it. Yet uh, Collins Muhammad resigned last month in like mid-May, mm-hmm. uh, which would indicate, and obviously we don't know for sure, that he is suspected that something might be coming. So I don't know if there's any insight into any of the other or the other two aldermen, if you felt like they gave hint that they might have known about it longer. Yeah, I mean, we we don't know. But it but, you know, based on uh, former alderman Collins Muhammad's actions and, and resignation, it does appear that, you know, he was tipped off somehow. Who knows? Maybe the the feds um, had a search warrant or something that they executed. You know, a lot of that stuff is sealed. The public can't see it Mm -hmm. because it's an ongoing investigation. So something tipped him off and he resigned. You know, by every indication, you know, I I don't know that, that, you know, President Reed was was telling the truth that morning, but he he did seem like, you know, him and and former Alderman Boyd seemed like they just got it. You know, they just got these indictments. And we should say that Boyd resigned pretty much right after and Reed was yesterday. Yes, yes. President President Reed resigned um, Tuesday. Yesterday was Tuesday. Um, (laughs) And uh, uh, former Alderman Boyd resigned Friday, um, the day after the indictment. But um, they both they both took part in the Board of Aldermen meeting. On uh, on Friday, so, yeah, Boyd yeah. actually 
tried to put forward another um, tax break. He, he did. Boyd had a, a bill. Um, so under under St. Louis's system, um, basically any development project or, or a lot of projects, a lot of actions, you know, in the city, in your ward as an alderman, you that alderman needs to support that action. Um, and so Alderman Boyd had a, a bill for a tax abatement for it looks to be a logistics company based in Sauge. Mm-hmm. And other aldermen were like, well, we're not going to move this forward after right. what we saw in the indictment. But who knows? I mean, that could be a business that's just collateral damage in, in this. You know, they, that could have been all on the up and up. And that's what Alderman Boyd said mm-hmm. was that, you know, hey, these guys have done nothing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're planning on this. They want to expand a, a warehouse in the Mark Twain industrial area of North St. Louis that's been empty. And, you know, they're just collateral damage. But Alderman held it up. They, they said they'll revisit it, so we'll see. Ripples in a pond. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of kind of ripples in a pond, I also thought your the piece in your piece yesterday on Tony Weaver and, and that indictment, you talked about the connection between um, Steve Stanger and Sam Page's upcoming opponent uh, in the county executive race, Jane Duker, a former lobbyist and political advisor to Stanger. So there's so many layers to this that you know I think our listeners would find interesting to unpack. There, there are a lot of layers, um, you know, with, uh, when, you, when you get into St. Louis's political class, there's a lot of the, the same, same players. Um, no, I, I mentioned uh, Jane Duker because she was at the courthouse um, yesterday as the media were gathered waiting for Tony Weaver to come out. She's running against um, Sam Page in the Democratic primary. She's, um, she was a lobbyist for some of the police unions. I think she stepped down because she of did. her election. Yeah, she yeah. Stepped down. And um, she, she has been an attorney for them, I think, in the past. Anyway, uh, she was there, and and you know she rightfully you know was was using, she was using this as an opportunity to criticize Page because Page did appoint Tony Weaver to this jail job, um, and he appointed Rochelle Walton Gray after she lost uh, mm-hmm. election to a job um, in the health department doing some some COVID nineteen stuff. Um, you know, which Rochelle has stepped out from that position after. Uh, proposition passed in St. Louis County. Yeah, the the voters approved a um, a change to the city charter. I believe uh, it was the city charter or the county charter. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, that um, you you had the county executive used to be able to put some of his um, appointed uh, kind of political non merit positions they call them and right. kind of put their salaries hide maybe conceal it wasn't easy for the public to find in different departments throughout county government and this required them to uh, basically put them all in one place so Mm -hmm. they you could find all the political appointees and uh, i believe there was something also in the in the charter that uh, former elected officials couldn't work for a period of time kind of a cooling off yeah yeah for the it might have been the county executive's office, but but it conflicted with something in the charter. And Rochelle Walton Gray, the former county councilwoman, lost her job after that. So Tony Weaver, however, was um, still on um, working in this uh, position that that had um, some authority at the at the jail. Really quickly, the role of the president of the board of aldermen is a, a powerful position in city politics. And one of the reasons that Reed gave for waiting to step down was, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is next for the board of aldermen? Um, well, that so that was kind of up in the air at the beginning of the week. Um, you know, you saw the, the two aldermen who were charged uh, resign pretty 
pretty quickly, one before the charges were even public. And Reed stayed on um, through the weekend and, and through Monday. It was kind of, you know, we heard on Friday from a senior alderman, Joe Volmer, um, who, I mean, Boyd, uh, Alderman Boyd was the, was the second most um, senior alderman on the board. But he resigned, so mm-hmm. Joe Volmer, I think, had the was tied for seniority for him. So Joe Volmer is now the next most senior alderman, and he told us, uh, he told my colleague Mark Schlinkman, who uh, covers City Hall, that he that Reed had told him he was considering a leave of absence, um, and Volmer would take over the duties of the Board of Aldermen President. Um, and those duties are, you know, you assign bills to committee, which which can be a you know a powerful a power to use, a lever to pull. You preside over the Board of Aldermen and you have a seat on the Board of Estimate and Apportionment, which is a little quirk to St. Louis City government. It's a three-member panel of the of the mayor, the Board of Aldermen president, and the comptroller uh, that basically has to approve all city spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Board of Aldermen president is, is a very powerful position and, and Reed had held it for 15 years. I think he was the longest serving Board of Aldermen president in St. Louis history. So, and, and probably one of the longest serving faces in, in city government um, that most people would recognize. He's, you know, been a player in all the big deals, all the big legislation for, you know, the past 15 years. So what's next is now that Reed has resigned, uh, Joe Volmer, who's the next most senior alderman, will take over and be the board of aldermen president until a special election. A special election uh, is now scheduled for November. Um, and then somebody will run basically to hold that position for like four months until the actual board of aldermen president or the regularly scheduled one uh, in uh, that begins in March with a, a runoff in in April. So, so Volmer's going to have this job for what is that five months? Right, and that's um, when else will have it for. Yeah. And Volmer has said he's not going to run. And, okay. Uh, Volmer, um, you know, he's a, he's a longtime alderman. He owns a bar. He runs a bar in the Hill. And he said, you know, I, he didn't. He didn't really want this position. He'll he'll do it to kind of keep things running. The city has a lot of you know they're they're doing the budget right now. They've got two hundred and almost two hundred fifty million in COVID nineteen relief money to appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know that has to be spent by I think like twenty twenty four. We got big legislation to pass to improve the roads and infrastructure around the the future NGA site up North City. We promised that to the federal government when they said they would move all these jobs up to North City. So they got you know Board of Aldermen has has stuff to do. Uh, you know they can't just grind to a halt after after this. So and Joe Bulmer right. said, yeah, he'll he'll take this up and you know try to keep things keep things running for the next few months. So and the mayor actually, I was just uh, this this morning at um, City Hall that um, the the mayor asked residents of the city of St. Louis to give Volmer a chance to to lead for the next few months. So well, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. As you said, you literally just came from that uh, mayor's press conference, and I know you have a, a you know, full day ahead of you. Uh, is there anything else in all of this that we've discussed that you'd like to add? No, I mean, keep uh, stay stay tuned. Uh, keep checking uh, stltoday.com. We'll, uh, you know, we try to get the news out there first. And, you know, I'm working on a, a piece kind of stepping back a little bit for the, for the weekend on the ramifications for... Uh, development in the city. Um, some aldermen are calling for, uh, you know, rethinking how we do tax incentives in the wake of this and, and what's known as aldermanic courtesy and aldermen's involvement in some of these decisions uh, that, that move through the city bureaucracy and whether we should, we should continue that. Well, thank you for all your coverage so far as well to Mark Schlinkman. I know both of you have been working really hard on this. And as 
these are major political players. I know that there are going to be a lot of future stories about the impact of these charges. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, hopefully you'll come back and we can get an update in the near future. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to.